everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway! Yay! In this podcast, we always discuss things related to musical theaters and plays. And in today's episode, we will be talking about A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Are you excited, Claire? I'm super excited. (laughs) Ah, okay, that's very good. Um... So I guess we'll start with a brief synopsis before we go into things. But Monty, who is the main character here, is a poor man who has recently found out he's the ninth in line for the Earl title and fortune of Lord Dicequith. He plans to murder the other eight people ahead of him in line to get that title. And this is what this entire musical revolves around, plus or minus a few love triangles here and there, you know. So, Claire, what's your familiarity like with A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder? Well, even though I said I was very excited about this one, I actually had um, no previous exposure to this musical. I think I chose to cover this one in this episode purely just because I was browsing through the internet and it seems interesting so I was like hey Becky maybe we should do this and I didn't really know what it was about it just has the word murder in it and it caught my <laughs> eye <laughs> I should have guessed <laughs> right anyway so the title of this musical seems rather interesting and that's why I proposed that we cover this episode and I'm happy to say that I made that decision because turns out that I really really enjoyed it and I hope you do too but before that how did you know about this musical or if you did know about it at all yeah so I did know about this musical before but I'd have to say I'm much closer to your station here of having no familiarity with it rather than being completely familiar with it because my exposure to the musical was when they performed I've Decided to Marry You at the Tonys. I don't remember what year it was but it was a really really talked about performance and everybody was like oh my god this musical is so great. There was a lot of buzz around it. It was definitely a critical darling. A lot of people enjoyed it. Um, So I heard this song and I think I heard one other, but I'm not 100%. I decided to marry you. I definitely seen the performance of and I heard before. Um, So I'd say that was about it. I heard that and I know I knew the basic plot before. So very, very shallow in this case. And it was a whole new exposure for me. So considering we're both very unfamiliar with it I think I'd be interested to hear about our first impressions of everything and how it goes okay so I guess since I don't have anything to add even though it may (laughs) seem like that we should go straight into the longer summary how does that sound let's go okay so um the musical starts with a congregation of actors and funeral wares warning you that this musical is not for those of weaker constitution aka me. They're talking about me. I have a weaker constitution. Claire, you do not. (laughs) They then go on to describe all the bodily reactions of fright you can experience while watching this show or some other show like, I don't know, let's say Sweeney Todd, for example. We cut to a prison cell in 1909. Every time, by the way, when it comes to like early 19th century, sorry, 20th century stuff, Mm -hmm. I always like, how far are they from the world wars? Like, how much are their lives going to change very, very soon? Um, so dark. I don't like, know. Well, is it only me, there, man? <laughs> is it only me? I was like, oh my god, you guys are like five years away from the first world war. This is going to be so drastically different for you. Everything. This is only me, right? I'm the only one with like the darkness in their mind to think this. You didn't think this at all. 
Maybe sometimes. Not all okay. the times, though. Okay, no, I immediately go for the mental math of, like, what is this going to happen to you? Like, what is going to happen to you very, very soon? Or what just happened to you to try to, like, understand where are we in terms of global <laughs> things? But in 1909, Lord Monty Navarro, also known as Monty, is writing a memoir about his own life should he be executed. So to find out exactly why he's going to be executed, we head straight into a flashback. So it is the day of Monty's mother funeral when he's visited by a strange older woman called Miss Shingles, who was good friends with his mom. Um, so this is like the first time he meets her in person, but he heard a lot about her from his mother. So currently Monty is living in poverty. He has no prospects and is an orphan since his father died when he was just a boy. Miss Shingle comes to let him know his mother is a daughter of a very wealthy earl in the area, Lord Dysquith, and she was disinherited when she married his father. She then very, very conveniently, tells him he is ninth in line to inherit the Dysquith wealth. And if this is not a clue for something that will come later on, I don't know what it is. But remember that. Keep that in mind. Put a pin in that. Monty writes a letter to the Dysquith estate asking for employment. He then goes to see Sibella, the woman he's in love with. And by the way, just as an aside, I 100% can see where he's coming from. I love her too. She is by far the best character in here, in my opinion. I don't know if you think the same. Well, my favorite is Monty. So I can't. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm rooting for him, man. Yeah. You are. Okay. That's good to know that you're rooting for eight murders. Love to hear that. Yeah. Says a lot about me. It does, but the quizzes say differently, so I don't know who to believe. But Sibella is in her girl boss element, and she toys with Monty mercilessly. He then tells her the good news about his heritage, and she not only doesn't believe him at first, she minimizes it by reminding him there are eight people ahead of him in line, so the odds of him becoming an Earl are virtually zero. She then prepares for a date with someone who is richer and better looking than Monty, and he has a motor car. Monty gets a letter back from the Dysquith saying that they have no idea who he is and also no idea who his mom is. And then they also threaten to call their lawyers if, they tr- if he tries to call himself a Dysquith ever again. So the Lord who narrates this letter, he looks the spitting image of Gomez Adams from the Adams family and I'm living for it. Have you seen the Adams family? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you can't relate to me but when we cover it it's also a musical when we cover it you let me know if I was correct Monty reflects on Sibella's and the Dysquith family rejection and decides to give becoming an earl and improving his station the good old college try so Monty sneaks into visitor day at the Dysquith castle in hope of ingratiating himself into the family face to face so that doesn't go super duper well and we're introduced to the very first Dysquith in the musical, the current Earl, who chastises Monty and the visitors from touching things at his home. He then goes on to a long soliloquy on how he hates the poor. And he does that by proceeding to fully call out the people at the mezzanine. And I was I was gasping for I was literally dying because I'm usually at the mezzanine like 80% of the time in the shows that I see. And I love that he called me out personally. Just I can't wait to see him die. Me too. Me too. When he does that in the show, I'm like, whoa, 
I feel personally attacked. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I feel like he was looking right into my soul. Like, I know. Okay, you see through me, man. I know. And we weren't even there. So like yeah. the fact that he managed to call us out personally without knowing we exist, that's a new talent. It's like, ouch. That hurts. <laughs> um but yeah from here on out we essentially have like a structure very reminiscent of your favorite by the way claire that's cats and also a chorus line so we're introduced to the members of the dice with family one by one and witness their untimely demise so first we have ezekiel dice also known as dice number two who is a reverend at a church Monty goes to ask for his help warming up to the family and ezekiel refuses and shows him around the church the two go up to the tower when Ezekiel loses balance and asks for Monty's help in balancing him, but Monty decides to let Ezekiel fall to his death, marking the very first death of a Dicequip. Next, we have Asquith Dicequith Jr., aka Gomez Adams himself, the man who wrote Monty the rejection letter. Asquith Dicequith Jr., I love that name. <laughs> isn't it a mouthful it is it's a mouthful i feel like it's also a lot of fun like the asquith dicequith jr has a lot of like rhythm to it that it i does, can't it does. <laughs> <laughs> um so asquith dicequith jr has an affair with a performer and the couple go to a winter resort together monty traveled all that way to poison asquith in his first willful murder but is scared he will lose his nerve and he also berates himself for not bringing an easier murder method or a murder weapon. But then he comes up with a brilliant idea to thin the ice around them and let Asquith and his lover drown while skating. So later, Monty receives a letter from Lord Asquith Dicequith Sr., so um, Gomez Adams's dad, who offers him a job working at his firm. When they meet, the Lord is incredibly kind to Monty and mentors him to succeed the company while paying him very handsomely. After that, Monty goes to see Sibella, only to learn she's engaged at this point. She comforts him, saying he'll meet someone better soon, foreshadowing right there. Next murder. Monty goes to the countryside to see Henry Dicequith and save him from being assaulted by a tenant. Henry prefers the company of men and quickly befriends Monty. And this whole scenario thing gives me very much why can't a woman be more like a man from our dear friend and fellow Henry, Professor Higgins, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but if you looked into went into like the Wikipedia rabbit hole into like all the actors and whatever, um, the actor who plays the entire Dicequith family played Henry Higgins before in My Fair Lady. And it's actually what made a love. Yeah, it's actually like what made him very, very popular among critics are like, oh, his performance is excellent. And they kind of like, I will be excited to see what he comes up in the future. And I guess this is the future. Wow. And he went to Yale. We know we have like a scholar on our hands, somebody who's really, really talented. He has like a master's degree. Honestly, we're privileged to see him. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, Yale, I'm not worthy. (laughs) Um, So Henry takes him to his estate to share with him his beekeeping hobby. Monty returns to the estate the following week and douses Henry's clothes with lavender, which bees are attracted to in hopes they'll sting Henry to death. So I don't know what you think about all the Dicequith family members, Claire, but I thought that Henry was a really nice person. At least he was nice to Monty. He was also nice to Phoebe, his sister. Like she really thought fondly and talked fondly about him the entire musical. So the fact that Monty shows zero remorse and hesitation 
unlike later on when he kills well when he thinks about killing somebody else leads me to conclude that monty is a little shit well, <laughs> and i don't know her shit and i don't think he like he or the show ever tries to hide that which is yeah i i have to admit like this murder is probably the saddest one or like the one i didn't like um mm-hmm. out of all the murders because it's just so sad like Harry is such a good guy Mm-hmm. oh man at least like give him a scene where he was like oh should i do this or i do not and no yes. he just he just goes straight into like all right let's get this done not only that like he does that and then while henry's dying he has a flirtation with phoebe his sister <laughs> excuse me how awful can you be right anyway so we talked about phoebe so let's introduce her. Phoebe is Henry's sister. And while he was busy killing Henry, he was flirting with Phoebe and they hit it off really well. Um, and I think I'm not in the Phoebe camp. I'm in the Sibella camp. I think that's a true accomplishment by Monty because I think she's tragically boring. And I said what I said. So moving on to the next murder in line, Lady Hyacinth. She is a woman of high society who is involved with charitable actions and organizations for the optics of it all, so not for real. She is struggling to stand behind a cause that hasn't been championed by other high-class women when Monty steps in to suggest helping children in countries that may be dangerous for her to go to. She survived quite a few of them. I was very surprised and impressed before her presumed death due to cannibalism in Africa. We finally... Claire, I was so excited for this one and then so disappointing just a second after. <laughs> we get a vegetarian character. <laughs> no, I knew this was going to come up. I knew it. The moment <laughs> he was like, oh, you're in the also in the vegetarian society. I'm like, well, this is so like a Becky's point. That to be brought up. No, but you don't understand. So he's the very first vegetarian character we have in a very long time. And I always mention him. So the, he's the very first vegetarian character I think he, we had since like Grover in uh, Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief. Wow. And I was so excited only for them to spoil it immediately by saying that he's also a eugenicist. Ugh. It's okay. He dies very quickly after this. Oh, yeah, you don't know. So let me introduce you to Bartholomew Dysquith, who is literally killed right after his introduction through a very interesting method, by the way, decapitation via dropping weights on his neck. Okay, so when I saw that, I'm like, whoa, this reminds me of my session with my trainer at the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I can do it yet. I'm not that strong, but then... You can decapitate yourself? I have another excuse never having to try this because now whenever I do it I'm like oh wow Claire if you're not powerful enough if not strong enough this is going to fall on your neck and kill you like imagine (laughs) the stress you don't understand this is literally what I wrote in my notes this is exactly why I don't go to the gyms and hearing (laughs) that echoed by you who do go to the gym I love that (laughs) (laughs) after this abomination of a vegetarian character we have lady salome dysquith a failing actress monty kills by slipping real bullets into her gun in a suicide scene alec baldwin would like a word with this arrangement (laughs) honestly this is such a horrible joke i'm sorry i'm ashamed even thinking about it but are you familiar with what happened with alec baldwin no Oh my god, it was it was huge. It was actually really tragic. Um, so I feel a little bit bad saying it here, but he was shooting a scene 
in one of his movies. And usually when you shoot a scene and you have like guns involved, you have a prop gun. Oh, is he the one who like accidentally shot somebody? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So I guess there is life imitates whatever happened here. But this is how Salome dies. (laughs) Anyway, so then we have closing to the end of Act One. We have Lord Asquith Dicequith Sr., who um, made Monty his successor, and then he promptly dies of a heart attack at the end of Act One, meaning Monty is the next in line after the current Earl to inherit the Dicequith title. I was conflicted on this, but do you think it's a genuine heart attack? I would like to think that it was the, um, oh my gosh, spoiler alert, I guess. Um, it was the lady who killed him. Mm-hmm. That's what that's my guess because obviously Monty didn't kill him, right? Yeah. And just so happened he died so conveniently at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to imagine it's just pure coincidence. But that's just me though. Maybe I'm more of a conspiracy theory person. So <laughs> but no, but but I feel like maybe she sees that he is hesitating to kill him, and that's why she kills before him. I have a different reading. So there is the reading where he had heart, a heart attack or maybe he was poisoned by Miss Shingle, spoiler alert. And that's one way to look at it, in my opinion. The other way to look at it is to think that Monty is an unreliable narrator, which there have a few clues to. And I think that could be one of them. So like, because you know that um, Lord Asquith, Dicequith Sr. is so nice he didn't want to envision himself doing that, but he still did it. But he tried to like present it in a different way because this is his memoir, right? Mm-hmm. So you can assume he's being truthful or you can assume he's lying. But mm. you've been so honest about all the other murders. Why this one? Because the other murderers haven't been nice to him, I'm guessing. Henry! Okay, but he had zero remorse on Henry. I don't know what beef he had with Henry but the fact that he so mercilessly killed him in such an awful way Monty Monty what are you doing ah so that is my conspiracy theory here maybe we have different little like tastes of breeds of conspiracy theory you have Miss Shingle I have Miss Shingle slash this we shall see what other people think if you have an opinion just let us know anyway act two opens with the same morning congregation from Act 1, asking why are all the Dicequith dying at Lord Asquith Dicequith Sr.'s funeral. So after the funeral, Monty and Sibella continue their usual fear and flirtation when Phoebe comes in. Sibella hides while listening to Phoebe and Monty's conversation, in which Phoebe proposes to Monty, which he accepts. So... This is the first time we see the two of them in the same scene. So the two of them being Phoebe and Sibella. And Phoebe's color scheme is blue and her hair is brown. While Sibella's color scheme is pink and her hair is blonde. And for those of you who've seen it, in this song, they also duet. And that gives me very much a Barbie the Princess and the Popper vibe, which we will cover (laughs) on this (laughs) podcast for sure, because I love this movie. And I think that this is a clear homage that the creators wanted to pay for Barbie the Princess and the Popper. There is no other explanation. And just for that, I think I'll increase the score of the musical for at least a point. Um, so Phoebe and Monty are invited to the Dicequith estate to dine with the Lord and the Lady. Coincidentally, Sibella also shows up alone at the Dicequith estate for the dinner, since her husband is away for a business trip. 
Monty wanted to poison Lord Dysquith during the dinner, but didn't find a good time to do so. And Lord Dysquith recounts his time at war. And at the end of his story, he is poisoned, but not by Monty, making Monty the new, the new Earl. So at Monty's wedding to Phoebe, Monty is approached by an inspector who arrests him for the murder of Lord Dysquith, a murder that, as we recall from a second ago, he didn't commit. We cut back to Monty at his prison cell, so present day, waiting for him to hear the verdict of whether he's found innocent or guilty of the, of the murder. Meanwhile, both Sabella and Phoebe confess that the other poisoned the Earl, inducing reasonable doubt, and thus Monty is found not guilty. The Earl was poisoned by Miss Shingle, as we already spoiled, and a new unrecognized Dysquith is introducing himself with the intention of poisoning Monty, ensuring us that the cycle will continue, and this is how the musical ends. Okay. Yay. Yay. <laughs> okay, so I think we can probably unload everything we think about all the characters during the song analysis. All right, so prologue, a warning to the audience. I honestly really, really love this sort of storytelling way of opening a story. I think we mentioned this last time, and I really like that. And apparently, they also changed their lyrics according to what time the show is on. So yes, in the one that we watched it, it was like three o'clock. Um, mm-hmm. But in the other ones, apparently, they will say something like, it's only past eight and it's yes. not too late. So they still rhymes. And I thought it was really neat, you know, there's like some details that was added to the lyrics. And just by the way, overall, I thought the lyrics for this entire musical is just really, really brilliant. Mm-hmm. Super top notch. Like I really enjoyed it. And I feel like from this brief opening song-ish, <laughs> you can already tell that. Um, and I really enjoyed that. So I feel like from this a warning to the audience itself like I have a really good feeling about this entire show yeah so it's definitely my cup of tea but how about you so I think like this opening is such a boss opening you mentioned it yourself but just both of us really really enjoy the type of opening where the actors talk to the audience outside of the story to introduce it um which is really good I think it's also very clever to go with the past eight it's not too late because at least in Toronto I don't remember how it was like in other cities a lot of the performances start at eight and um we have like an afternoon performance as well that i think either starts at two or at one or something along those lines so it would be very very useful in almost every performance in probably a lot of countries so that's a good thing to insert into the lyrics it's also really really good way to build some suspense because the song style really builds an idea of what you can expect in the movie since it seems very upper class victorian they say oh it's going to be very gruesome it's not for those of you with wicker constitution so i think the vibe of the song opens to everything that will happen on really really well later and i'm going to refer to my fair lady so much during this episode but the actor bunch really really remind me of the upper class society and my fair lady during the horse races I love My Fair Lady. So obviously that would be uh, like on my mind a lot. But did you get any My Fair Lady vibes while watching this? So I got Professor Higgins vibes. You did? Okay. Yeah. But not a lot though. Okay, cool. And for the song itself, there is this guy with a really, really deep voice 
who accentuates certain parts of the song. For me, he was the real MVP because he made it so much funnier and carried the tone on his back. They tried to like couple him with a really frilly soprano, and I think it worked even better when they did that. But that guy with a really deep voice just made the song so so much better. Mm. Um, and from People who listened to it in the past, you would know that I always listened to the cast recording first. So I did listen to the past eight version first and I noticed the change to three. But um, as soon as I listened to it as the first song, I literally remember thinking, oh, okay, I know I'm going to like this musical because the song sounded just like something I would love. Yeah, yeah. This really, really gives me a good feeling. And I think it gives you a good feeling about the show too. So a hundred percent. Oh my god, so excited. I was so excited when the- after the song actually. Oh really? You too. Yeah. Okay. So you yeah. can see how good a song is. Like if you want to introduce somebody to the show, just give them the song and I feel like they'll be hooked by themselves. Um, the next one is your dice quip. So this to me, it's a good song in terms of how it sets up the story. But in terms of the music itself, it's it's not bad, but it's not that good. In terms of the song, I love how excited the performer who plays Miss Shingle is. Like, you can tell she really is super excited when he asks her, what's that got to do with me? And she literally bursts out telling him, you're a dice with. Like, you can see her giddy with excitement, and I love to see it. Um, the song itself is pretty straightforward, but... You wouldn't guess that the melody is so simple or whatever because I was personally really, really impressed with the performance. I think it's probably because it's so like classical in terms of the vibe, which is something that I really gel with personally. And just, it's not only her, but the entire cast will have the kind of vibe of very classical, very either like super high or super low, very clean kind of vocals. And I think this is really emblematic in your dice quip which you would see more like reflected even more later on, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in terms of the song itself, I would say, even though I enjoyed it, it wasn't one of my favorites. So I enjoyed pretty much almost all the songs here, but it would have to be in the bottom tier. Yeah. Exactly how I feel. Yeah. And it pains me to say that because it is a good song. Okay. We're going to the first solo of my favorite character from here. The song is I Don't Know What I Do, and Sabella sings it. What do you think? So I love her vocal. I think she has such a lovely voice, very sweet, um, and just really classic, like I said, and I enjoy that. I feel like this sort of vocal or this style of singing is missing from most of the modern musicals, so I really enjoy that. And at the same time, I feel like from the song itself, like it also tells you a lot about Sibella's character too. And I didn't really like her too, too much from the beginning because of just how spoiled she seems, like talking about clothes and, and jewelry. And she doesn't seem that she loved Monty very much. But in a weird way, she was so charming in this number too. And it's such a weird feeling that I don't really know how to describe it because if it normally, I will feel like this sort of character is like so bitchy. Like you're obviously just using Monty, like keeping him around, but not really wanting to commit to anything. Like she is literally going on a date with somebody else. But at the same time, she seems pretty genuine, pretty honest about herself too. So it makes it hard to dislike her 
for some reason. So I tend to grow to like her from this point on. So like maybe the first couple seconds when she was first introduced, I was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about this girl. And maybe until the midpoint of the song, I'm like, oh, she's actually quite charming. What the heck? And then towards the end of the song, I'm like, oh, Sibella is actually kind of cute. That's so funny because what you just described is my character evolution towards Phoebe. So I really disliked Phoebe in the beginning. And mm-hmm. then in the second act, she really grew on me. So when we get to Phoebe, I'm so curious to hear what your, your thoughts are on her. Um, but for me, as we all know, I am Team Sibella. I really, really like her. This is such a fun performance. Like, I love it. I love how she's literally like leading him on. But in the same time, she like calls him a tease, even though she's doing what she's doing during the entire song is teasing him. You can see on her face how much she enjoys the attention she gets from him and how like he's kind of like a cat and mouse game in which he's definitely the mouse and she's the cat and she does whatever she wants with him. And just so much fun. You can see it reflected everywhere. Her voice is phenomenal, like absolutely drop-dead gorgeous vocals. You can see her playing anything at all. Like I can totally picture her as Christine, for example, from Phantom, obviously. Right? Not from Be yeah. More Chill. Not from Be More Chill. <laughs> um, and the lyrics of the song. So you mentioned that you love the lyrics too. I totally love them as well. Um, the lyrics make her seem so vapid and spoiled, like what you said, like she talks about her clothes and her shoes and stuff like that. But when you actually see the performance, I think you understand how layered she can be because of the different way she communicates her facial expressions and her body language and just the way she carries herself on stage. So I think even though she's introduced as a very shallow character, you can see there is more to her than just that. And just... I love that she does all she like all she wants to do. She just like strolls around in her pink dress, feeling like a queen. And for me, characters who look like they're enjoying themselves, even if they're doing something that is not the nicest, that's what makes me like the characters so much more. So that's probably what made me love her. Interesting. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. If you were Sibylla, do you think you'll wait for Monty, marry for love, as he puts it? That's a difficult question. Like, we both watch Little Women. And when we watched it, we saw Amy. Oh, oh. It was Amy. Okay, yeah. Who went on a tangent to Lori, saying that at their time, women were very limited in terms of their prospects so they would have to marry rich if they would like to be in society and have a comfortable way of living and i understand where she's coming from because monty at this point is very poor and she had no indication that he would rise above his station later on Mm -hmm. so when she is presented with an opportunity for somebody who is not only rich but is also very handsome and i guess treats her pretty well you don't really know um, or at the very least leaves her alone because we never see him on stage I can see why she would be enticed by that but I also genuinely believes that she loves Monty okay so that was my next question because I don't know if she actually has feelings for him or just because that now he is wealthy and he's rich and he has all the status and stuff and that's why she comes back to him I don't think that's the case. I can see why it would look like that. And I definitely understand somebody where to argue that she doesn't love him. 
but I don't think she would risk all her all she worked for just to fool around with somebody she doesn't love. Yeah, because this point at this point and later on, she definitely fools around with him constantly, despite being engaged or married to somebody else. So I definitely see that to me, at least the way they acted, it looks mutual. Mm-hmm. Okay, should we move on to the next one? Sure. I really enjoyed this one. It was probably within my top three. It's foolish to think. And I think what I enjoyed about it is the sinister ending that it has. Mm-hmm. And then there is a callback to it with foolish to think reprise that's even more sinister. So it's like an escalation of that. Um, and I also can see why Monty gets to this point based on the events they showed us. So it's very well constructed and crafted within the narrative of the story. So like Monty is definitely feeling beaten down by life. He does seem a little bit like a wet towel at this point, considering how quickly everyone dismisses him. So the dice quits rejection letter and Sibella with her date and everybody's kind of just like walking all over him and I can see it being his breaking point and just deciding to change who he is entirely to become a person that people respect more and considering this has been happening to him his entire life we can assume this is definitely something that is very fascinating to see on stage at least for me and I know you mentioned he's your favorite to me, he seems a little bit more like a vessel of the plot. The writers need to introduce us to the characters they actually want us to look into. So the, the characters the writers themselves are interested in. So essentially the Dicequith family and also some of the other characters, I think like uh, Sibella, arguably Phoebe, that are more quirky. They need somebody who seems a little bit more realistic, in my opinion. And this is another portion in which... I think the lyrics are genius. He has like the line for a blade in a motor car, he'll go far. And I don't know if it was something that was supposed to be there or I'm reading into it, but I think it's supposed to be like a pun, right? So it just shows you how clever the lyrics are. And we covered some shows with horrible, horrible lyrics, most notably Diana. I, I think was be going more- to say it. <laughs> yeah, I think even like Be More Chill that we covered last time doesn't have the best of lyrics too. Mm-hmm. So... There are quite a few shows that we had to go through that don't have the greatest lyrics. And now I feel like this is our reward for going through that because it's just so clever. But in terms of Monty himself, even though I do think he's a little bit more of a vessel for the plot rather than somebody with a lot of characterization on his own, in here he really, really shown as a bright character like his vocals I I was absolutely in love with gobsmacked by how beautiful he sounded and it's not even his best song in my opinion so he definitely has a lot of potential but what do you think I love the song I mm-hmm. love 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 the song from there to some point like you said it's the first time we hear from Monty and even though that there is so much that has been said about him already like this is the first time he has a solo and I think it's just a great number in terms of the way that it really shows you how Monty transformed from the somebody who was similarly sweet and naive to someone who is plotting the murders to get what he wants right so I feel like like you said the setup leading up to this point is really neatly crafted and I can see why it makes so much sense here and his vocal so great oh my god I really enjoy it I feel like that darkening moment 
of a character is usually a really great number mm-hmm. in general. Like something that comes to my mind right now is um I can't remember the title of the song though, but it's from Bonnie and Clyde. And when Clyde was in the prison, he was like beating up and was mistreated and he was rising up from hell or something like that. Like that moment is also the moment where you can see a lot of character from that character and um, and the emotional journey that they are going through so I feel like in terms of being able to relate and to just connect with them this source of number really allows us to go into their world like walk in their shoes and because of that I really really enjoy it yeah and when I say like Monty is my favorite character like partly is because obviously he's so funny and he makes this like hilarious faces on stage sometimes oh, yeah. it's just <laughs> you just can't help but laugh like it's really really funny but also the other parts that I really like him as well is the fact that I feel like I can root for him which is weird because this is a murder his um, story and usually mm-hmm. Well, actually, I was going to say, usually I don't root for murderers. And then I think mm. about it twice and I'm like, okay, actually I do. So mm. <laughs> curious, dubious and curious. Too. <laughs> yeah, but this is one of the more serious songs in the musical. And that's absolutely, I think, necessary to make his motivation convincing. Like it, it's necessary to make his character stand out um, oh, sure. and not just like a tool for the plot. So I like it from that perspective as well yeah Yeah. that's a great point actually that you brought up the expressions that he has so a lot of the time he has very bizarre expression and i think like oh he looks a little bit like a muppet Mm -hmm. but then in the end of act one there is the song that is all about him essentially and he has a very very serious demeanor because that's how people on the outside see him when they talk about him and I was like oh who is this guy for a second because I didn't register it was him I was like wow he's so handsome but literally every time he opens his mouth and actually has to talk like his character I think oh he's a muppet actually so yeah it's very conflicting you can see how well crafted it is and how he can change his demeanor so quickly and i think i ran it by google translate i'm not sure you can correct me if i'm wrong but this is his final performance what we saw the final oh, performance of the yeah, actor I in the wrong so yeah okay google translate came through <laughs> it, <laughs> it was works like, for once it works for once because it was like I tried looking it up on YouTube and I couldn't find anything. So I wanted to make sure that this is actually like the Broadway run we're seeing. Um, And I Googled all the characters, which is how I went on the rabbit hole to Mm -hmm. see their qualifications. (laughs) But but I'm glad that that proved correct. Also, the song from Bonnie and Clyde. I think you were talking about Raise a Little Hell. Yes. Yeah. Something about the hell. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Good times. That was good. (laughs) Another murder story. Love it. That's yeah. true. So I don't have anything to say about the next one, which is a warning to Monty. Do you? Nope. It's only like, I don't know, 40 seconds or something. So I think we can skip this one. Yeah. The only thing I do have to say about it is uh, my conspiracy theory of whether Monty is a reliable narrator or not stemmed from this number because you can interpret it either as the feeling he has when visiting the estate of the like overall vibe of the estate so like for those of you who are very familiar with harry potter think the house of black or you can think that he's literally hallucinating all these people and hearing voices in his head Mm -hmm. just wanted to put it out there 
fuel to my conspiracy theory. Next one is I Don't Understand the Poor, which as a performance, I loved. But what do you think? <laughs> I just want to say like what you said about uh, the, the narrator thingy. That was that was actually a good point. I didn't Thank consider you. that. And in terms of the song, as a song itself, musically is not my favorite, but as a performance, it's just so funny to watch. Like it's such a joy to watch. And the lyrics in the song, again, very clever, super complex. It's very fast too. So thank goodness the version that we watch has subtitles because otherwise I don't think I'll be able to, you know, like open a separate window and just read the lyrics while I'm still trying to watch it at the same time. That would be a lot of work to do. So, (laughs) So yeah. Um, in terms of the song itself, I think, once again, this gives me my Fair Lady vibe. And the reason why this gives me my Fair Lady vibes is I'm a generous man that Henry yeah. can sing. <laughs> um, so essentially, the Earl does the exact same thing. He's like, oh, you know, I'm so generous. I'm a generous man. Um, I'm so sensitive. I am so supportive. All that kind of stuff that really makes him seem like a kind person. But at the same time, he's just completely shitting on all the people who are poor. (laughs) So that really threw me to that. In terms of everything else, the the energy of the actor calling everyone out or just in general, considering all the characters he plays. So he plays all the Dice Squad family, right? So for me, just the costume change alone would leave me breathless. But he has to go through so many costume changes, like very, very, very rapidly. He has to go to different tones, different tones as in like the character he performs. So acting wise, but also he has to execute different vocals when he imitates the women in the family. And I just want to give massive props to the actor because it's such a difficult job. Mm-hmm. I um, honestly, I became a fan of his after this. I actually look up all, um, some other plays that he was in or some musicals that he was in. I didn't know that he was Professor Higgins for some reason, but um, I thought it would be interesting to cover his other works too. So we'll see. Oh, I'd be so down. I literally fell in love with him after watching it because it was so impressive how he managed to do everything. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of physical comedy that he's involved with too. Like, I know we just mentioned the acting that he has to do and the singing, a lot of singing that he has to do. It's like, sorry, it's like so many songs that he has, one after the other almost. So that's really, really impressive. But there's so much physical humor and dancing that is involved with everything. So this is like a little bit over two hours as a show. And he's on stage like at least 75% of the time, I think. Yeah. I think the only times when he's not on the stage is when Sabella comes out. Yeah, Love Triangle. Yeah. Love Triangle Station. Finally catch a breath, man. I know, and he needs it, Jesus. And I bet he doesn't even catch the breath because he's probably too busy putting on a different costume that takes 20 minutes to put on. Oh, man, I don't know how he does it. Oh, I know. Respect, Um, respect. Major. So do you have anything to say about the reprise of Foolish to Think? I think it's great. But other than that, I don't have anything new to add. That was a struggle that I had while putting my thoughts down. I was like, oh, I have nothing to say. It's all so good. It's all amazing. It just gives me my fair lady vibes. It's great. It's great. Fair lady. Nothing else was 
flowing through my mind and I really had to think about it very hard to come up with like critiques yeah I feel like part of that is because well I I don't know about you but I can speak for myself like I was very in the moment when I watch it yeah like I was very committed and devoted into the story I was following paying close attention to like what's happening on the stage like the physical comedy like you mentioned like very very focused on just watching the show so I think that's why my notes were super short and when I go back and be like oh I should probably have more things to say about this one and that is actually a great thing because if you think about it if you start wandering around and like thinking about all these uh, like additional thoughts that means that you're not really 100% focused on what's happening right and the fact that I'm very very focused means that okay this is something that is so good that you won't be distracted yeah exactly I feel like that was one aspect of it for me another aspect is because this show is so well done in every single avenue I can think of (laughs) when when I think something is really really good and it's not controversial like other people don't think it's bad or don't hate elements of it see my fair lady that's why I had a lot of things to say about when we talked about that it's a lot more difficult for me because everybody agrees um okay so poison in my pocket my notes for this are also very 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 short but I enjoyed the song a lot I think Monty is at his element when he has to sing very quickly he sounds great when he doesn't too but that is something that I found very impressive in his performance and Something else that I think is a quality of the actor that might be difficult for other people who step into his shoes later on. His voice is so gentle and he has such a good mannered disposition that all of this makes him very unassuming. And that is what makes him the ideal person to play this role Mm -hmm. because you can at the same time see how other people see him, which is the kind and assuming way that he is. But also you have his train of thoughts that can even go to be quite aggressive in a very weird way Mm -hmm. uh, when he's very passionate about something. So I think it's very evident in this particular song. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I absolutely love the dark humor. Of mm-hmm. having the victims gate behind Monty as he's planning their murder. I thought it was so funny. And it's just an amazingly funny song. Um, you gotta admire his ability to think and adapt on the spot. Because the fact that he was like, oh, I have a poison in my pocket. Oh, wait a second. I can use this to my advantage. And then, I don't know, create a scene and that would look like an accident. I thought it was like, Whoa dude you're fast in thinking about this <laughs> you know how to utilize your your environment that's a skill that's a skill um, and fun fact he never used use that poison in his pocket yeah, for anything I've been thinking <laughs> about it like the whole time the flower too I guess like you know until the very very end but then the the poison here and then the flower later I just keep on thinking oh when is he going to use it but he never used it I know so, yeah interesting interesting very creative too because imagine like just poisoning somebody that would be I mean it's a very common way to kill someone I guess Mm -hmm. and it's also boring not visually um not something that you can visually put on a stage I guess I agree yeah the next one is poor Monty which is another Sabella song yeah so this one is really nice as well I I love Sibella's vocal so it's Mm -hmm. really really nice and I don't know if you noticed 
But when she sings like, oh, you will soon be in a cozy in a cottage for two and soon there will be three. It's such a foreshadowing. The Did you get it? Three? Yeah, because there'll no. be the three of them, right? The oh, is it f- okay? But the way I thought about it that is not foreshadowing is because she's still married, <laughs> so she can escape with him to somewhere where they have a love triangle, or he'll be cheating on on uh, Phoebe. But she's not permanently living with them. I, I think. mean, that's true. But I just thought it was like foreshadowing because there's going to be three of them oh, okay i can see that i can definitely see where you're coming from and that that is very clever there's so much cleverness in the lyrics so yeah i feel yeah. like whenever you ask somebody or however way many times you look into it and revisit the show you will probably be able to find something else and something mm-hmm. that is new and exciting yeah i wish we could see it in person because <laughs> i feel too. like it will be such a hoot to see it in person Me too. i'm like dying to see it, but i don't think it came to canada before because really? I, oh, yeah, man. so while I was looking into it, there was a Mervish, which is the Toronto um, equivalent to Broadway advertisement about uh, a gentleman's guide to love and murder. So I'm relatively certain it came to Toronto before, which means we missed our chance. Oh, but it might come back. Please come back. I would love to see this on, in person. Yeah. I mean, things do frequently come back. I just, I went on a Uber and the person I talked to his son was in the Canadian production of Come From Away. He wasn't an actor. He was a, a musician. Oh, and he, wow. Yeah. So it was really, really fun to like get like to meet somebody who has a direct relationship to the performers. And apparently the Canadian production just ended its run <laughs> permanently for Come oh. From Away. So it's currently touring in the U.S. And there is um, like the show is running on Broadway right now. But the Canadian production is done and he said that he believes it will come back in two and a half years or three years so shows definitely do come back and it did start in canada hopefully a gentleman's guide will also come back and that's what i've been telling myself every time for hades town because mm-hmm. hades town came to edmonton which is where i'm at currently uh and i probably would have flown to edmonton to see it if i knew that Aww. Hades Town wasn't gonna come back for like a long time to Canada. Oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> for poor Monty, there is nothing that Isabella can do that would be wrong in my eyes. But I love how selfish she is. I just love it because I think the song really works for her. She sounds amazing, and. Even though there's nothing she can do for me to not like her, she did refer to herself in third person. She says, you'll put the loss of Sibella behind. And that made me slightly cringe. I mean, think about it. What if you were to say like, oh, you know, Claire is really happy right now. Or if I were to say, oh, Becky is really like hungry right now or something oh, like that. Oh, like she was, okay, 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 I see. Yeah, so that just sounds awful when you refer to yourself in third person. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Warning to the wise. But um, I think this is my favorite solo of hers. So obviously she has the first one, which is I don't know uh, what I do. And then this one musically is my favorite of hers. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, next that's one. That's fair. Yeah, next one is um, Better With A Man. I have nothing to say about it, but I love Henry. 
I love the song and I also love the fact that it comes directly after poor Monty because mm-hmm. it's like oh fuck he got he gets rejected by Sevilla well you know what men are better anyway <laughs> so <laughs> I thought the low of numbers is also very interesting in that way it's just so much fun and so gay so cute <laughs> like I love it <laughs> and you gotta really appreciate his relationship building skills right mm-hmm. because like you stand up for somebody versus that you really really bond with them is like two totally different things that's because fact- henry oh. is a decent decent man so not only did he <laughs> pay him for a drink afterwards he took him to a bar paid for his drink he also shared with him his thoughts his opinions it takes two to build a relationship and henry deserved better yeah poor henry. <laughs> but you're completely correct like he does it with so many people he just like seems like such a great guy and he warms his way to everybody's hearts literally everybody in the show almost um okay next one is phoebe's introduction song and we talked a lot about phoebe but i'm so curious to hear your thoughts about her the song is inside out okay so i don't hate her i don't dislike her in any way i think phoebe is a sweet girl but like you said, she doesn't really have too much of a characterization. I like the part when she goes, she asks something to Monty and she goes like, oh my God, that was so rude. Please excuse me. I'm like, oh, that's me all the time. And when I, <laughs> after I said something, I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. What if he takes it the wrong way? The only difference between Phoebe and I is just that I don't say those things out loud when she does. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one thing I feel like I have common with her. But other than that, her vocal, also super great. She Mm -hmm. is so, so, so good. And the song itself, honestly, wasn't something that stands out to me, not in the musical way, not in the narrative way. But she pulls it, like, she performs in such an elegant way that it was such a joy and pleasure to listen to. So obviously, I was kind of distracted because Henry was running in the background and he was dying from from the bees <laughs> so I couldn't focus 100% on just Phoebe but before he comes out before Henry comes out I thought it was a rather cute moment between the two of them and the fact that they have this beautiful beautiful flower chair thing what are those called oh the swing the, yeah 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 the swing yeah yes it's also so pretty. It's, it is. I'm, it's gorgeous. Very, very impressed. I could see so many Instagram influencers on that chair. I know. <laughs> on that swing. Just like it's it's really, it's like something you can find in like a cartoon or an anime. The handles of the swing, the ropes are fully covered in flowers. And the swing itself is quite wide. It's very structured. So except for the place that you sit, everywhere else is covered with a variety of beautiful beautiful flowers and the theme of it is kind of like white and blue or like Mm. lilac and blue so just the colors of that swing beautiful yeah yeah it's phoebe's color too so it is yes love it yes phoebe is definitely a blue um in terms of what i thought so i do have quite strong thoughts on phoebe as i mentioned so in here, she's okay. I don't like how she's introduced and I don't like her in Act 1 at all. I thought she was dreadfully boring. And then I like her in Act 2 when she's fulfilling her ultimate destiny as Erica to Sibella's Annalise. And, or if you don't know Barbie the Princess and the Popper as Veronica to Sibella's Betty. But um, 
in here since she is without Sabella, unfortunately. Even though she sounds absolutely gorgeous, she is more boring than a brick. And the song doesn't really do her any favors because it's not very complex. There isn't a lot of elements to latch onto. So that makes it a little bit more difficult to remember, even though it's still very, very gorgeous. Like, I don't think there's a single bad song in the entirety of the like musical mm-hmm. so i would have to go with bottom bottom or teal tier so like the bottom half like you're a dice with mm-hmm. but again it's very very good still in terms of the narrative so as a character in here at this point she's very much like a bella swan type where you can insert yourself as her you can see a lot of similarities between her and many, many other people in the audience. For example, like how you stumble on your words for um, whatever reason or how you say things that you don't necessarily say. You obviously don't do that. You think it. (laughs) But um, I think a lot of people can see themselves in Phoebe. But what I did really, really enjoy that they did with her at this point is they inserted doubt into her song in many different small ways. So the song itself is essentially like don't assume shit based on appearances. And she seems so innocent, almost too innocent. There must be something sinister about her. And also when she introduces her favorite flower, which is the belladonna and is also a poison that makes you think, oh, you know, that belladonna flower will come to play later on and it's going to be because of Phoebe. So it's screams that like oh you know phoebe's the murderer later on for when lord dicequith dies but it's actually not her so it's kind of like a red herring and i really love that they do that with her next one is lady hyacinth abroad uh i have nothing to say about it i think this is my least favorite song actually yeah it's a long song so it's a long song yeah yeah it already doesn't have the the perfect score from me yeah, I don't know. I didn't really enjoy this one. It's still it's still a good song, but for me it was quite clear that this is a few levels below all the other songs in the musical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agree. Then we go with the act one closer, the last one you'd expect. It's also a really long song because yes. it features multiple people saying about their perspective on Monty and it also involves two more murders. So a lot of things going on in this one, but... I do like it because it is so ironic and it paints a great picture of who everyone thinks Monty is and versus who he truly is. And I thought it's a great way to close act one. And also I like the part when he seems so touched by the fact that he was appointed a successor of the company. And then right after that, he was like, oh, only two people left still alive between me and the oh, Earl. Yeah, yeah. That moment was great. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. But how, how about you? What do you think? I think it's a really good number and like one of the perfect act one closer. It has so many musical elements from the previous numbers to remind us of who everybody uh, is and their positions to the central character. So to Monty. Um, because the song essentially is all about him. But it also literally vocalizes everybody's thoughts on Monty. So they handle it both musically and also lyrically. And I feel like it's so easy to understand the motivations of the characters that are remaining later on because of this number. Uh, And it's really, really important because Act 2, I think, has a very different tone than Act 1. So Act 2 concentrates so much on the love triangle between Monty, Sabella, and Phoebe. And Act 1, I think, concentrates a lot more on the murder 
And having those emotions understood before that is central to the understanding of Act 2. Um, so yeah, overall, I think it's a really, really good song. And I always enjoy when a song is a little bit more chaotic and it has the very different elements. There are also a lot of different breaks on top of the elements. So to show the mur- murders, like you said, to show other different characters and things that are central to the plot later on. So it can be a little bit, I don't know, disjointed. Sometimes you might not understand, for example, oh, the song is over, the song is over, is the song over now? And <laughs> not know what is going to come up next. So I can see people not enjoying that aspect of it, but I personally did enjoy it. Okay. Act two starts with Why Roll the Dice Quit Dying. I have absolutely nothing to say except for it's a very fun echo to act one. I think it happened to us in previous musicals, maybe even the past one, I don't remember. But I always enjoy when they do it in musical, like they echo the previous act, because you can see how drastically different the situation is for the main characters at each starting point. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this act to opener. It's mm-hmm. actually so addictive too as a song. Like I keep like singing to myself it's like, oh, wh- why are they all dying? And then <laughs> even <laughs> though it's not my favorite song, but it's definitely up there. A hundred percent. I am assuming we're skipping the reprise. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sabella. All right. So even though it is one of the more serious songs again, and it's very romantic, I find it actually more easily forgettable it's probably because it doesn't really add much of a new information for the audience like it doesn't really explain why Monty is so obsessed with Sabella for example where it doesn't really tell us anything new it's my favorite oh, no! <laughs> that's okay that's okay I mean I, I can see where you come though. from I yeah. still like the song <laughs> I love that you're trying to like jump on it and explain <laughs> I'm yourself. I'm trying to cover myself up. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I think it's my favorite for like very subtle reasons, to be honest. And I was thinking very hard on what would be my favorite in the song, and I was going back and forth between a few. My favorite top three were quite clear to me, but I was really pressed to figure out which of them were my favorite. What's and your, the, what's the other two? I've decided to marry you and um, foolish to think. Okay, are they your top three? Did we reach your favorite? Oh, yeah. We actually already passed it. It's foolish to think. Claire, you got to point out those things. Sorry, I forgot. Point <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. So both of us have foolish to think in your top in our top three. I don't know if you have like a solid top three, but I'll see very, very soon what your thought on what are your thoughts on I've decided to marry you. But the reason why I really, really like the song personally is how much change you see in Monty so I feel like his relationship with Sabella is probably where Monty is his truest so where he feels like he can be most like himself because he's so comfortable with Sabella as a person and he already knows Sabella is no angel herself but he still loves her so he feels like he can let go and show his true emotions as well and usually as I mentioned before he's been quite a wet noodle around her and she's been walking all over him and he just went with it because he loves her so much but in here you can see the huge change all of his actions had so like you know working for a really really well-known firm all those um his relationship with Phoebe and also all the murders that he committed but you see that this is the first time he is able to 
be the dominant person in their relationship. So he takes a stand. He's like, you know, I want you that way. Not to think of the song, <laughs> I want it that way. But um, he literally vocalizes what he needs from her and what he wants from her very, very clearly. He doesn't allow him her to kiss him first. Um, he voices that he's very, very uncomfortable with this situation with uh, Sabella. So I think just having those kind of traits shown up in a relationship that is definitely his closest to me was the most interesting aspect in Monty's characterization and the most true. So that's the reason why I think Monty is a great character. And I think it's all exemplified really, really well in this song. It's very much his song, even though it's about somebody else. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. Uh, the next one is definitely the most well-known song from this musical and the one that people will probably have heard of outside of it. I've decided to marry you. Pretty brilliant. Really brilliant mm-hmm. because everything about the song flows so beautifully. Every action, word, they're all just so natural and perfectly fits. And what really amazes me the most is just how everything's on beat. Like the screens, the fact that uh, Sibella throws the purse and it hits the door in time with the music. There's a constant slamming of the door in time. It's just so brilliant. I didn't notice that. The, the purse tidbit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was so good. I was like, oh, did she make that on purpose? And then I oh read God. like other people's comments. It's like, I think they orchestrated that way. So, Imagine how much you'd have to practice to do exactly at the right Just time. That's crazy. Purse, it's crazy. It's insane. And that's how good it gets. Um, yeah, it, it's dramatic. It's ironic it's comedic like everything just mixed together with the the choreography the the melody and just the use of the medium like of just two doors it's not like crazily complex setup or anything it's Mm -hmm. so simple but the fact that they're able to pull so much using this simple premise maybe yeah okay Okay. (laughs) that works (laughs) not exactly the word I had in mind but but it will work um yeah it's just really really amazing yeah for sure I've decided to marry you is great no surprise here there is a reason why it's so well known and why everybody thought it was great it's because it is nobody's been lying to you it's complex it's comedic the situation is so clear even without concept so as I mentioned this is what introduced me to the show this is pretty much the only thing I knew about the show uh foolish to think I think I might have might have heard before but I'm not entirely convinced and this one I definitely knew and I completely understood just based on a song what is happening and I think that's so difficult to do you know mm-hmm. like it encapsulates pretty much the entirety of act two or the main focus is in act two really really well just with this one song and that's such a difficult thing to achieve and they do it flawlessly so everything is right about the song and also another thing for those of us who were teenagers and grew up in the 2010s I can see why a lot of us would be really, really sick of love triangles because during like the YA apocalypse time where it was like Twilight, Hunger Game, everything, uh, Divergent, whatever, love triangles were all the rage. And this, I think, was during that boom as well. So people might be 
too bored with love triangle it might be too saturated and usually that's me but in here i absolutely love that element so so much it just works the dynamic they have for the three of them is super fun um i don't know if you felt the same way or what are your thoughts on love triangle but i think they work so very rarely because usually it's very very opposite it's very very clear who the protagonist actually likes mm -hmm. and there's no debate <laughs> at all like if you think about a lot of k-dramas for example which i love um you would absolutely see who the two central people and who the main couple is going to be and then there's always like this one character who is like the secondary guy yeah. who would have like a thing with the main character but it's absolutely clear that he has no chance to be in the running anyway oh you're so um, right yeah yeah we we call it alpaca coon in the family because of a specific <laughs> specific way a one actor that we saw when we, when we coined this looked but there is always this secondary character and that's why usually they're so boring but in here it's captivating i love it i love a triangle here and it brings out the best elements in all the characters i don't know if you agree yeah absolutely agree i usually i hate romance like you can tell um <laughs> but it also worked for me it was such a fun experience just to watch mm -hmm. and i think it's because it's not sappy and in fact characters who were sappy before like phoebe in her solo became less sappy when the love triangle was introduced mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I have nothing to say about final warning, poison in my pocket, and also I have nothing to say about an actual proper song looking down the barrel of a gun. I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a fun song, but that's just it. You know? mm -hmm. I also don't have a lot to say. I have a theory. So obviously we all love the Dicequith family and the actor who played them is talented and amazing. But maybe there have too many instances of them being on stage and this is just like one number too much it's like we got acclimated to what it is and we got so used to it that we expect a good performance and we got a great performance and we expect something quirky and we got something quirky but it doesn't really add anything to it mm, maybe but at the same time i i i feel like they do need a song for him because oh they the do a hundred percent right so, he was the first introduced and the, yeah, the last to go. Exactly. So they absolutely need to do something for him, but it's just how could they make it different? How could they still make it engaging and fun? Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe they could have involved more internal thinking from Monty when he finally accomplished a task, even though he didn't do it. So they did have like some internal thoughts from Monty, of course, mm -hmm. but... I wish we got to see more of a reaction of him finding out that after all the hard work of murdering eight people, he finally became an Earl, which is what yeah. he wanted to do. Yeah, that would be nice, actually. Yeah. So maybe that's one tweak they could have done. In terms of the next one, which is Stop, Wait, What? I really enjoy this number. Of course, of course, Monty is blamed for the one single murder he didn't commit. <laughs> and... Honestly, it made me think because it like clued me in into how talented of a murderer <laughs> Monty is because the one murder he didn't commit was found out to be a murder. Unlike all the rest of them, nobody suspected there were murders. Mm -hmm. And they also found out that it was a murder very soon after it occurred. So you can see that Monty, even though it looked like it was kind of like a spur of the moment thing, for example, with the ice skates or 
with the uh, the murdering of the reverend, push, like the window situation and some of the other ones. It seemed kind of like spontaneous almost. Mm-hmm. He does a phen- phenomenal job. Again, circling back to the theory that he's unreliable narrator. But that means that Miss Shingle, who did commit the murder, even though she probably orchestrated us from the very, very beginning by letting Monty know that he's a dice whip, because why else would she mention it? Hey, by the way, there are only eight people ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Think about how horrible they were to your mom. Think about it. Like, obviously, this is what she intended, right? Mm-hmm. But she wasn't subtle about it at all in the terms of a murder itself. So I don't know. Monty can become the new Jack the Ripper. Who knows? What do you think about Stop, Wait, What? I think it's really good. And it's really good for a different reason, even though I still agree with your points. And that is this whole song is actually really, really fast. And the lyrics to it is so clever once again. Um, but it makes it a very difficult song to, to sing, I think. It's very impressive for me because the fact that he has to be super fast about singing the song, well, he still acts about like being anxious and like a little bit nervous, obviously. And I personally find I'm not like a fast talker, obviously. So I don't, I don't really see myself being able to sing that fast. And I, I think he really does a really good job. But obviously, I feel like the climax of the story seems to be a little bit too, too rushed. Yeah. So I feel like definitely if there is room for maybe one or two more of something in between that would make it flow a lot better and not like just like oh here he is achieving his goal and oh here he is being convicted of a murder and then happy ending kind of mm-hmm. and so I thought there definitely could be room for something more yeah um, I or think- I just can't get enough <laughs> that could be <laughs> one reason I think that is because that there is an issue that they did a lot better in the beginning in the beginning of act one compared to the ending but because they centered their musical around the introduction of the dice with family and their murder one by one so as we mentioned it's very cats-esque or very chorus line-esque that really impacted them later on so i think the reason why it didn't feel as choppy before the dice quits were introduced to us is because this is not something we grew to expect from the narration of the musical we thought would get like an actual story which we get but like in a different in a in a typical way musicals are usually introduced to us Mm -hmm. but the ending because we're so used to the formula I think the creators were also used to the formula and they made it a lot more choppy than it was but yeah still a very very good song I can say I enjoyed it the next one just barely got cut from my top three that horrible woman it's an amazing number oh, yeah. it actually feels like a finale to be honest it does yeah the the smile that they exchange at the end so priceless beautiful beautiful voices together yeah i love the opportunity to just hear them sing together in another number mm-hmm. honestly in general nothing bad to say sorry it's so short but it's just really good yeah i agree i don't have super long notes either i just can say i enjoyed it so much both of them well, not both of them, but Phoebe definitely is in her element whenever she is with Sibella. Like, it, she just brings out all the best parts of her character out for some reason. And Sibella, I like in any situation, when she's with Monty, when she's with Phoebe, when she's with both of them, whatever. But Phoebe really, really shines and comes through in this kind of instances. And 
their voices absolutely drop dead gorgeous together they also have a lot of like combined acting and singing talent because they give a lot of very subtle uh body language vibes and a lot of like subtle um expressions to showcase that they're acting during like the portion they're lying about their confession and also that they're enjoying the kind of uh sparring almost they have with each other with trying to execute each other or blame them from the murder and this scene is also something that made me like phoebe a lot more not just because of her involvement with sabella but also because through her conversation with monty just before this that led her to decide to try to frame sabella you can see that she can be compatible with monty so i think the reason why monty and sabella are so drawn to each other is because they're both deep down pretty horrible people and the fact that she was she decided to go to the level of sabella and do something that is so clearly wrong i think makes her a lot more compatible with monty okay so then we have the finale i have no notes of the finale itself to be honest yeah me too (laughs) okay cool 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 do you want to go into our final thoughts do we need final thoughts i feel like you probably can tell my final thoughts already which is i honestly enjoyed it so so much i actually keep on telling my family like I'm so glad that I came across this and we decided to do this episode because it's such a pleasant surprise. I really, really enjoyed it so, so much. Um, And it's just such a quality production from everything from the acting to the plots to the music and the lyrics, like everything was so well done. I haven't been so satisfied with uh with a musical that we did in such a long long time so I mean I still enjoy a lot of things that we covered before but Mm -hmm. I think in in terms of how he um really meets my expectation goes even beyond my expectation in all areas this is really really satisfying and very very pleasant to watch I was thinking about that too and I was trying to create a list in my mind of things that like you said exactly so I wouldn't count and usually musicals that I already know that I love but mm-hmm. ones that I was pretty oblivious to or only knew very little of before um the episode and then being really pleasantly surprised by it and I have quite a few but since Bonnie and Clyde I don't think I have one that I enjoyed quite to this level mm-hmm. right um so that's to say obviously I really enjoyed this musical as well I knew very little about it but what I knew was still great to see and this made it even better the overall experience that I had I was blown away by all the talent of the cast both in terms of acting in terms of singing also in terms of physical humor in the case of the Dice Squid family and also in the case of our favorite Muppet Monty um, the lyrics were very very impressive I also like how you can read into a story many different ways so for example is it true that Lord Asquith Dicequith Sr. had a heart attack. Was he poisoned by Miss Shingle? Was he killed by Monty? Who's to say? Is Monty a reliable narrator? Who's to say? So I feel like this is something you can actually debate on and try to see from many different ways. I feel like if you revisit the musical, 
both just listening to it and also seeing it, you will find many different elements. So it's really rewarding paying close attention to it. I listened to the soundtrack many, many times. I've been listening to it all week nonstop. And I still am not bored of it. I think it's fantastic. The songs themselves are memorable. Even the ones that are a miss are still objectively good, I think. So overall, I have nothing but the highest praise for this musical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tragically, though, it seems like we might be in a minority. So even though it got really good reviews by critics, I found zero quizzes oh, no. relating to this musical. All I could find is this was an option in one of another quiz. So that's exactly what we're going to do. But I want to say there is... A need in the market for a gentleman's guide to love and murder quiz of which character are you and if i were at all talented in making quizzes i would make it but if yes, you, you are should. the kid <laughs> make it for us no. becky be that no. person <laughs> up and you know own up to it wait claire you're the writer here i am not a writer at all claire you're the writer you make it it doesn't take a writer to make a quiz I think it does, though. No, it doesn't. I think it does. I think it does. You need to really understand All right, the so characters. All right, for the quiz time today, <laughs> we're going to do which Tony Award will you win from Theater Nerds? Choose an app. Audible, Spotify, Pinterest. Not sponsored by any of them, sadly. Spotify. Same. You are part of a group project. What do you do? Be the leader, take the credit, just do your job. Just do my job. I'm quite bossy, so I'm going to be the leader. Okay. You're preparing a party. What do you do first? Start decorating, set up the lights, prepare music. Oh, man. I wish they have an option that says, like, start cleaning. But (laughs) I guess start decorating would be the closest thing to that. I'd go with that, too. Um, Choose a school subject. English, math. P. I wonder if the person who made it is British because they put math slash maths and I think only British people call it maths. Correct uh, me if you say maths and you're not from Britain <laughs> or if you're American or whatever, but uh, I think maths is very British specific. I'll do P. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'll do Eng- um, Should I do English or math? I think I'll go with English actually. What scares you? Your appearance, the dark, making the wrong decision. For me, it's all three. But what is it for you? I'm going to choose the dark. Okay. I'll go with making the wrong decision, even though it's really all three. Okay. Audition approaching. What first? Research everything about it. Practice all day for the audition. Practice your dance steps. Practice all day for the audition. I think it encompasses everything, right? So I'm going to choose that too. Yeah. How do you view yourself as a performer? A confident lead, the comedic sidekick. I'm in the stage crew. I don't perform. I don't perform. I don't perform. <laughs> Choose a second subject. Music, art, science. Um, science. Same. Which picture would you post? You pulling a stunt, the view from your balcony, you in your best outfit. I just want to put it out there in our personal Instagram. Claire and I haven't I haven't posted in like four years, I think, or three years. And Claire has posted never. <laughs> so <laughs> I love you have to take this opportunity to announce that. To say how weird I am to never post. You know what? Ashley thought about posting. 
something. You should. Yeah. I I'll be the first to like my it. trip from like three months ago. And then I thought, okay, I probably already missed the window to post. You didn't. Yeah. You didn't. Really? And you have some you have some gorgeous pictures. The glacier you showed me, I still remember it. It's still fresh in my mind. It's really nice. Okay. Maybe I'll post one. Post just, it. Just that one post to show that this is an actual account and not like <laughs> somebody like faking it all right but for me I would never post uh, a photo of myself so the view from my balcony yeah I'm gonna go with that too if there was a picture of food that's essentially 95% of my uh, iPhone storage for the Mm -hmm. photos Mm -hmm. food and outfits I like yeah food 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 finally choosing a musical a gentleman's guide to love and murder (laughs) Yep, Sweeney, Sweeney Todd, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Next to normal, come from away, carousel, beauty and the beast, fussy, anything goes. Yep, definitely a gentleman's guide to love and murder. Really? I'm really conflicted mm-hmm. between this and come from away. I guess because we're doing a gentleman's guide to love and murder, I'll choose that. Well, you don't have to. I will say that's the reason because I don't want to choose between the two. Okay, <laughs> okay who did you get? I got a best supporting role. Mm-hmm. So your hero's best friend or enemy. You don't mind not being the star because you just want to be do your best. I got best play slash book of a musical. Mm-hmm. And the description is you wrote the witty jokes, the powerful monologues, and the basis for most performances. Hooray. Nice. Okay. So I think that means we can go into our final thoughts. Final rating, you mean? Final ratings. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I meant that. <laughs> okay, oh. drum roll, please. <laughs> okay. Go for it. All right. So I'm going to give it nine out of ten cod. Okay. That's interesting. Because that also gives me very come from away vibes. The cod. The cod. Um, <laughs> um, I'm also going to give it 9 out of 10. And I didn't think of this through, but vegetarian eugenicists. <laughs> okay. Got it. Okay. So I think that's it for us. If you want to talk to us about A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder and you want to debate with us whether Monty is a reliable narrator or not, or you just want to scream at us for our opinions, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, If you want to tell us about anything else we covered in the past or give us recommendations, please do that. We just want to hear your thoughts. Just we're approachable. We would love to engage with you. So you can engage with us in a number of ways. You can either catch us on social media and the social media can catch us on our Reddit, Twitter, but not really Twitter and Instagram. Most likely you'll catch us on Reddit and Instagram because Twitter neither of us go on and that will be under the handle of podway podcast if you don't like social media you can contact us via email at podwaypodcast at gmail.com now if you really like us and you want to be super nice to us you can also leave a review 
of our please. podcast on please. Apple Podcasts or please. Spotify. And we would really, really, really appreciate that because A, we would get to hear your thoughts and B, that would really help the algorithm boost us. And that would be fantastic. So all that taken together. Thank you for listening and bye. Bye.